0: Chapter Three, Episode Three of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Third, Among the Lions. Chapter Three. A Monastery of Lions. At Miliana, Tartarin of Tarascon alighted, leaving the stage-coach to continue its way towards the south. Two days' rough journey, two nights spent with eyes open to spy out of the window if there were not discoverable the dread figure of a lion in the fields beyond the road. So much sleeplessness well deserved some hour's repose. Besides, if we must tell everything, since his misadventure with Bonbonnel, the outspoken Tartarin felt ill at ease notwithstanding his weapons, his terrifying visage, and his red cap, before the Orléansville photographer and the two ladies fond of the military. So he proceeded through the broad streets of Miliana, full of fine trees and fountains, but whilst looking up a suitable hotel, the poor fellow could not help musing over Bombonel's words. Suppose they were true! Suppose there were no more lions in Algeria! What would be the good, then, of so much running about and fatigue? Suddenly, at the turn of a street, our hero found himself face to face with—with what? Guess. A donkey, of course. A donkey? A splendid lion, this time, waiting before a coffee-house door, royally sitting up on his hindquarters and with his tawny mane gleaming in the sun. "'What possessed them to tell me that there were no more of them?' exclaimed the Tarasconian, as he made a backward jump. On hearing this outcry, the lion lowered his head, and taking up in his mouth a wooden bowl that was before him on the footway, humbly held it out towards Tartarin, who was immovable with stupefaction. A passing Arab tossed a copper into the bowl, and the lion wagged his tail. Thereupon Tartarin understood it all. He saw what emotion had prevented him previously perceiving, that the crowd was gathered around a poor, tame, blind lion." and the two stalwart negroes, armed with staves, were marching him through the town as a savoyard does a marmot. The blood of Tarascon boiled over at once. "'Wretches that you are!' he roared, in a voice of thunder, thus to debase such noble beasts. Springing to the lion, he wrenched the loathsome bull from between his royal jaws. The two Africans, believing they had a thief to contend with, rushed upon the foreigner with uplifted cudgels. There was a dreadful conflict— the blackamoors smiting, the women screaming, and the youngsters laughing. An old Jew cobbler bleated out of the hollow in his stall, Take him to the shustus of the beasts. The lion himself, in his dark state, tried to roar, as his hapless champion, after a desperate struggle, rolled on the ground among the spilt pence and the sweepings. At this juncture a man cleft the throng, made the negro stand back with a word, and the women and urchins with a wave of his hand, lifted up Tartarin, brushed him down, shook him into shape, and sat him breathless upon a corner-post. "'What, Prince? Is it you?' said the good Tartarin, rubbing his ribs. "'Yes, indeed, it is I, my valiant friend. As soon as your letter was received, I entrusted Baia to her brother, hired a post-chaise, flew fifty leagues as fast as a horse could go, and here I am, just in time to snatch you from the brutality of these ruffians. What have you done, in the name of just heaven, to bring this ugly trouble upon you?' "'What done, Prince?' It was too much for me to see this unfortunate lion with a begging bowl in his mouth, humiliated, conquered, buffeted about, set up as a laughing-stock to all this Muslim rabble. But you are wrong, my noble friend. On the contrary, this lion is an object of respect and adoration. This is a sacred beast who belongs to a great monastery of lions, founded three hundred years ago by Mohammed ben Aouda, a kind of fierce and forbidding la full of roarings and wild beastly odors where strange monks rear and feed lions by hundreds and send them out all over northern africa accompanied by begging brothers the alms they received served for the maintenance of the monastery and its mosques and the two negroes showed so much displeasure just now because it was their conviction that the lion under their charge would forthwith devour them if a single penny of their collection were lost or stolen through any fault of theirs On hearing this incredible and yet voracious story, Tartarin of Tarascon was delighted and sniffed the air noisily. "'What pleases me in this,' he remarked, as the summing up of his opinion, "'is that whether Monsieur Bombonel likes it or not, there are still lions in Algeria.' "'I should think there were,' ejaculated the prince enthusiastically. "'We will start to-morrow beating up the Shalif plain, and you will see lions enough.' "'What, prince, have you an intention to go a-hunting too?' Of course do you think i am going to leave you to march by yourself into the heart of africa in the midst of ferocious tribes of whose languages and usages you are ignorant no no illustrious tartarin i shall quit you no more go where you will i shall make one of the party oh prince prince the beaming tartarin hugged the devoted gregory to his breast at the proud thought of his going to have a foreign prince to accompany him in his hunting after the example of jules gerard And other famous lion slayers. End of chapter four of episode three.